Welcome to the Playing the Game podcast with your hosts, Brock White and Cody Ransom. This podcast is the place for all things baseball, hunting, and entrepreneurship. These two guys have put in the work and have the stories and advice to back it up. Brock is a longtime business owner, and Cody played pro ball for over 18 years. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Cody Ransom. The one thing that brings these two guys together is hunting. Babe Ruth said it best. Never allow the fear of striking out to keep you from playing the game. This is the Playing the Game podcast, presented by Rolly White RV. Welcome <laughs> to Playing the Game podcast. That works too. Um, I'm, it's been a minute. You forgot I'm how. one of two hosts here, Brock White, and the other guy, Cody Ransom, also known as Billy the Kid's partner. <laughs> Is that where we're at now? <laughs> what's, your, what's your partner's name? Uh, it's Caleb. Yeah, it's Caleb now. Just, okay. We're bear. He's right. we're just a bear. All right. Um. So we got Caleb Copeland here again. Yep, I'm here again. And um, back to Arizona. It's not the weather's not as nice as it was last time I was here. Not even close. No. Yeah. No. Now it's like it's the, actually really cool today though. Oh God. So hundred. But it's like set. What what's the humidity today? Firm. <laughs> yeah, it's firm for here. This is where it gets really ugly in Arizona because now we get the humidity with the 105, 110 degrees. This point. isn't humid though, not compared to where I'm from. Well, this is our humidity. We know. Yeah. I mean, you walk outside in Georgia, it feels like somebody poured warm piss on you as soon as you walk <laughs> out the door. It's <laughs> fun. It's yeah. terrible. It's yeah. awful. Yeah, that sounds... You're sticky all the time. So, like, how yeah. hot is it in Georgia right now? 90s, low 90s, but it's, like, 100% humidity. It's, but you, you, you guys get rain every... Oh, it rains every day. Every day. So, when it's raining, does it feel good? No. It's still hot as crap. It's even worse. It feels like a sauna. It doesn't cool down like when it rains? Sauna. Not really. Like, down in the 70s? No. No, it's still really, really See, hot. See, here, when it's raining, you get some blissfulness for until the sun yeah, comes doesn't out. It, doesn't it rain like twice a year? Well, this it's rained like, we've got probably got rain like eight of the last ten days. Yeah. Really? Like, it well, rained we this were, morning. We I, were coming it, yeah. over, I was coming yeah. in over the mountains from Idaho Falls, and it was like really dark clouds. It looked like it was about to rain, but everything was green and lush on our approach. And I was like, that is not where I'm normally used to landing. And then it took us forever to actually land. And we were over some mountain range. It was beautiful. It had all kinds of trails and stuff in it. I don't know where we yeah. were. Um, it was pretty, though. Probably superstitions. superstitions. It's probably green there because it's just... Everything was green. It's, it's, it's been raining quite a bit. Huh. Yeah. We needed it. There were a lot of fires and stuff. So oh. Well, everything out west has been like really bad drought. Everybody yeah. I've talked to. We haven't had a good monsoon for a while. Yeah. yeah. No, this it's, is, it's been a good one. Yeah. We need a... If it can continue the way it is, like, it'll be perfect. A couple more weeks. Like... This kind of rain equals great horn growth. And that's what we're worried about. We're not worried about gardens. We're not worried about droughts. We're worried about horn growth. Let's, well, just, get this, let's get this straight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what else is there I'm to worry about? I'm definitely not going to argue with you. Like, so I, hear, I hear you. The winter gives you 
your fronts, yeah. right, on an elk. Yeah. Or, like, your forks on a deer. And then the good summer rain gives you the back end. See, that's something we never, like, rain has never been a problem in the south. We've always had tons of rain. What we have to worry about is rednecks. We don't have to worry about precipitation or how much Feed. rain we're going to get or how much food. It's like, what redneck is going to shoot that two-year-old this year and not let him ever grow to his full potential? That's what we have to worry about. And it's a yeah. constant worry. It really is. Yeah, you know, there's that debate here that, like, you know, I think Colorado, there's, like, a point restriction that you have to maintain. Like, mm-hmm. it has to be a... That's the fork. Yeah. Um, Utah, I think, is the same way. New Mexico, same way. In Arizona, there's not a restriction. Well, like, Georgia has, like, certain counties that are considered trophy counties. And they're supposed to have four on one side before you can shoot them. Yeah. But you can shoot two bucks. And every hunter, every person in Georgia hunts. And they almost always shoot their two bucks. It's too many deer. It's too many deer to get shot. And then you can kill 10 does a piece. You can kill 12 deer a year in Georgia. How many do you kill? Me? I'm None. I don't even hunt. It's not even worth going. Like not even for the meat? No. Couldn't tell you last year I killed in Georgia. It's been... A nice two-year-old. No. Juicy. Juicy. I, could, I honestly couldn't tell you. I was going to shoot a doe this last year at Clay's, uh, Clay's family's place. Uh, in Madison, Georgia, and we did not see a deer. We went in January. I thought you said there's too many deer. No, no, no. people are killing too many deer. Oh. People yeah. are getting all 12 of them. Yeah, oh, 100%. Well, Every they shouldn't single have, tag. They shouldn't, if there's that little deer, they should take well, the doe tags yeah, off. Well, yeah, right. And the great thing about Georgia is you want to come to Georgia, you buy your, your over-the-counter tags, you being from Arizona, and you can kill 12 deer too. You can kill 12 deer. You can kill 12 deer. You can, it doesn't matter. So you know. But I, if I want to come to Arizona, I've either got to draw or buy an over-the-counter, and I can kill one. Mm-hmm. One buck. If I'm lucky, you know. Yeah. You can kill 12. It's crazy. Like yeah. this whole West, the whole Western thing is so crazy to me because the tag systems and the draws, the lotteries, the points, there's none of that in the South. Virtually everywhere except, except for alligators. You come to the south, and you can shoot anything you want by buying a tag. doesn't matter. There's no point system. There's no draws. There's no lotteries except for alligators, and that's – I don't understand that. Or you can just go to Florida and shoot one with a depredation tag or whatever. But other than that, it's like turkeys, doesn't matter. Deer, doesn't matter. Hmm. That's about all we have. Yeah. Hogs in some places. Some trips. You know, um, I think out here is that the mule deer population – is very unstable. Um, what I'm learning about mule deer is that they don't take change very well. Well, if they're that dependent on precipitation, yeah, they sound pretty fickle to me. Well, what happens is if they don't have good, for us, it's all about feed. Yeah. So if they don't get good precipitation, the does will not produce milk for mm-hmm. the fawns. Yeah. And so everything's weaker. Like, they'll survive... But predators are, can track them down a lot. Where if they're healthy fawns, they yeah. can get away. Yeah. So I can then, see that. Um, since they're like 
not as healthy, then that means they're just sitting ducks for um, coyotes or yeah. these gray wolves. Mexican wolves? Yeah. The Mexican yeah. red wolf or whatever? Gray wolf. Gray. Mexican gray wolf. Oh, I thought it was a red wolf. Gray wolf. No. Maybe a gray here. It's still, I oh, just okay. don't know why, hey, or, so like when they introduced elk, because elk was reintroduced to Arizona in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And that hurt the mule deer population. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the, yeah, the competition for food. Even though they eat different food. Yeah, but I still think they would outcompete mule deer big time. Yes. Because there's some stuff that crosses over. Yeah. But what hurts them is, you know, elk take their, you know, their, their habitat. Yeah. Then mule deer don't adapt to new habitat very well. So, huh. it's, um, what I'm learning is, yeah, mule deer are, they're, yeah, they're just tougher to grow. Yeah. Or whitetails seem like they can eat anything. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know. Yeah, well, they're in, what? Three feet of snow. Doesn't they're pretty matter. much in, what, every, all lower 48, aren't they? I think whitetails are in all lower 48, I'm pretty they're sure. They're not, they're not here. There's none in Arizona? Coos deer, but not eastern whitetail. Oh, okay. I thought Coo- there was. Coos deer. I don't guess there would be any in California either or Washington. Um, I know, they're, I know in, they're in Idaho. I know they're in Idaho. I'm pretty um, sure they're in eastern Washington. I know they're in Montana. Yeah. And Utah, they're not there. Okay. But well, I, they're they're more widespread than anything else. Yeah, but it's like... Arizona, Utah, Nevada don't have whitetail. Yeah. But maybe Nevada, I'm not positive, but I don't think there is. Yeah. And everywhere else, Colorado. Oh, yeah. New Mexico? Yeah, I know there's whitetails in New Mexico, for sure. Really? Where? Yeah. Like uh, the northeast part? Yeah. Are they allowed to hunt them? Yeah. Huh. Didn't know that. I know they have coos deer. Yeah, there's whitetails in New Mexico. That's cool. Um, so we're talking about baseball also. Yeah, I did thought we were. I was going to. Talk about. Uh, well, I, I want to talk about a lot of things. Well, what questions do you have? Well, I wanted to talk to Cody about the, the whole foreign substance deal because I've seen, because obviously I only see what's on like social or YouTube and everything else. And I saw Trevor Bauer, his whole thing about it. And about how you essentially mix in sweat and rosin, sticky, the same thing. It's like, so what's sticky and what's not? What's legal and what's not? And then you hear guys that are just like, you know, completely for it, get rid of it. And then other guys are like, these guys have been cheating for a thousand years. It's like, you know, so like, what's your take on it? Like, what do you, where do you, not where you stand, but like kind of what's your two cents on the whole deal? If you were the grandmaster so like, of the MLB and you could make these decisions. Yeah, it's tough. There's such a gray area, I guess. Um, as a hitter, like, I was okay with the pitcher having a little bit of control because I didn't, like, want the ball to get away. Yeah, 100%. Right? Like, well, yeah, w- within reason. Like, in. you know, yeah. like, but now if we're adding a substance, it's, like, going to spin it more, or, you know, give you more break or, or, or whatever. not doing the old Phil Necro where you have the, f- right. the nail file in your pocket. You yeah, know, like well, I mean, nail file. Yeah, he did. He'd had, he'd had a nail file in his pocket so he Legit. could grip the knuckleball better. 
You know, and but if you're using a substance like that makes it look like a spitball or something, yeah. you know, that's actually going to make the ball move a lot more. Yeah. Um, well, they're talking about the spin rate and the RPMs and all that crap at the ball speed now. It's like, well, if you do this, it's going to go from what, what is it like 2700 to a 3200 RPM. It's like, like first of all, like which I'm sure they've got technology to figure that out now. But it's like they do. How how do I know? How how do you know that? adding this substance is going to make your spin rate go from here to here and make you throw. Your, your breaking ball break this much more, you know? You can measure it now. Yeah. So, you know, they have track band and, and uh, you know, whatever else, whatever measurable devices they want yeah. to use, and you can actually throw your bullpens with that. Huh. And you throw off the mound, and you mess around with stuff, and it's going to tell you what your spin rate is. Yeah. I mean, I've got two of them in the garage. I can. No crap. Really? Yeah, we get a hitting one and a pitching Something one. I've you can never throw them out. Rapsodo I have. Never heard of that. And it'll tell you, like, got a little iPad with it, and, like, it'll tell you what the spin rate is, what your axis is, what velo. Holy crap. Um, yeah. Like, so we can tell you exactly what it is. Did not know that. And if you add something to it, we can tell you if it's spinning faster, if it's carrying through the zone better, what kind of brake you've got, horizontal or vertical. Yeah. Um, what um? So what are guys using? Uh you don't, don't know. I don't get into it. Like I, I try and stay away from it. I yeah. don't want to know. So you don't supply it to your your. Well, your I've heard you definitely can't supply it. Well, I've <laughs> heard I've heard of Vaseline. I've heard of the rosin sweat. Then I've heard of like whatever that black tacky stuff. I don't remember the what it's sticky called. stuff. It's like what I can't remember what they called it. I've heard some the name or whatever. But like, I never as a pitcher never used any of that. Maybe that's why I never went further than D2 baseball. But, you know, I, I never – that was never even something that was – never even heard it talked about. Never knew of another pitcher that I ever played with using it or saying, hey, man, you should try this. Like, that never happened to me. Not one time. I had it on my glove. Yeah. On the inside. Yeah. For whatever pitcher wanted it. Really? So I just tap my glove and get back to him. Huh. Oh, you tap the ball? Yeah, so you catch it. Like, I would keep it down here. Yeah. So you just tap it and throw it to them. So huh. they're not checking Yeah. that, right? Well, see, like, that was in the, the Phil Necro thing. I saw that video the other day because his catcher was trying to get it out of his pocket because like, yeah. they knew they were checking him, and they yeah. were he was trying to get it, and he, he didn't get it out. But I mean, I've seen catchers keep it on their shin guards or, yeah. or like, position play. What It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, the ball just so – for for most guys, when I played, it was just for control. Like, mm-hmm. you get sweaty, you know, get a little slippery. Or oh, yeah. If it's here or Colorado, it's really dry. Yeah. Um, like, you just you just need a little feel. You need, yeah. Like, hitters use pine tar. Yeah. Right? Like, we, we can see, use pine yeah. tar on the bat. So, like, I, I see both sides, right? Like, I'm, I'm okay with a pitcher using some rosin, some sweat, and some sunblock. Yeah. Like, makes it really tacky. Yeah. If it's for, like, I feel like the ball's going to slip out. Yeah. Now, if it's to increase spin or any like, stuff like that, then, you know. Whatever. Yeah, there's a really tough gray area there. That's there a, is. That's a that's And that's, a that's tough like, one. so. How can they catch you? They check you. They check, they check pitchers now after innings, and there's cameras all over the place. Oh, yeah. So, like, can the shortstop have someone on the glove? <laughs> Don't know. Don't know. Are they checking everyone on the team? They check the pitcher when he comes off the field. So did the, can they only check uh, the pitcher? Can they check other people too? Uh, I, th- I don't know. I know they check the pitchers, I, I'm assuming. So they're getting around it. Like, so they have like, 
Oh, they'll figure out ways. Mandatory to get checks, it. like a yeah. certain number, right? Yeah. But they also can, if the other manager requests, then yeah. they can go do it again. And so that that was a thing the other day. With yeah. Girardi asked to see something with yeah. the Phillies, and I think Scherzer got upset about it. Oh yeah, it's gonna call some definite. Yeah, there's definitely. There's gonna be some. He like, should just shut his mouth because someone on his team is doing it too. You know. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like. Well, for sure. Kettle calling the pot black. You calling the kettle? Yeah, pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, it's super interesting for me as a now you know as a spectator and seeing it, and like. First of all, you know, kind of Trevor Bauer's whole thing about it is like, how do you enforce that? Because this is sweat and rosin. Both things we're allowed to have. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, it's, it's, it's the, and he's kind of saying the same thing we did. It's like, it's such a gray area. He's like, I'm all for, you know, guys using things that are available to us. He's like, and I'm all against people trying to bring in foreign substances. He's like, but how do you delineate the two? Mm-hmm. And what's sticky and what's not sticky? He's like, you know, there's, He's like, it's so subjective. And he said, it depends on what umpire you get. You know, I know that there's certain umpires that have reputations of being good or bad and vice versa. If you took like a thing of bubble gum and you put it in your hand, you it would have sticky hands. Yeah, but you don't, sugar want, you don't, dried up. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to mess with that. And that's a little harder to hide, I would think. Well, you're just like, well, well, like, like we had a guy gum. the other day that said uh one of the pitchers had rosin on his gl- glove hand. I think it was, and the umpire like went nuts. He's like, "You can only have rosin on your throwing hand." What's the, what's the matter? If it's like, on your, what's the difference? Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. I think if it's on your glove hand, you can go to it. You know what I mean? Like if it's on this hand, you can't like, yeah, go go to it to get stickier. Like if you had like like sweat. sunblock and sweat mixed with rosin on your so, arm, yeah, like, like you could grab it. Yeah, you see a lot. I mean, you see it all the time. Yeah. But it's like I'm okay with that. I, yeah. That as a hitter, that I'd never thought twice about it. Yeah. Like that was rosin. There's a bag sitting there on the back of the mound. Use yeah. It. Yeah, but the, but it goes back to you know, you look back at the and this is I mean this might be going down a rabbit hole that we don't want to go down, but you look back at the the quote unquote uh, steroid days of baseball and how many home runs were getting hit. It's putting people in the seats. And that's what people want to watch baseball for. They want, they're watching it to watch a game they love and to be entertained. I think they should bring back steroids. Well, it's not. I'm that not was saying fun. that they, was fun. It's not saying bring back steroids. It was like we were talking about with Otani. Like he's an incredible pitcher. He's also an incredible hitter. Which one puts more butts in the seats? Would great pitcher or great hitter? Well, like a great hitter hit, puts more butts in the seats. The D-backs depends on they what got they the hu- humidor. It, it depends. Really? See, I always think a guy I know that, people that are go to games to watch a pitcher throw. Oh yeah, for sure. I, but but more if, so on the hitter side. If Kershaw's that? pitching, yeah. I mean, or yeah, like you know, well, sure only once every five days too. Yeah, well that too. But that's my thing. Is like if you're if you're asking me, I'm I was a pitcher. I want to go watch. And that's what you know. People hate watching pitching duels because it's you know it's not an exciting game. They want to see balls get hit around well, the park. But I loved watching. I, I loved watching a pitcher's duel because I was a pitcher. I loved yeah. watching a really good pitcher. Do his thing. Me too. I but I could enjoy that. At the same, like I'll watch Degrom pitch a game. Oh, yeah. freaking a! I'll watch yeah. Otani pitch, and I yeah. Like I'm not a pitching like yeah, but I'll watch those two throw right now. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, Degrom is on uh, just another level on the DL as of today. So. Oh man, really? what for? Uh, arm some. Oh, that's not know. good. 
He's he's come out of a few games recently, but like I mean, he's thrown two hundred more hundred mile an hour pitches than anybody else this Whoa. year or something like that. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, like, I mean, really special. Yeah, very special. Yeah, like when Randy Johnson was pitching, like yeah. I would definitely go watch him. I would. I I just I don't. Big I want to see. I do, and I don't want to see what a pitch from him looked like from the left side of the box. I bet it was terrifying. I didn't like it from the right side. <laughs> I'm about to say. Oh, Randy Johnson? I'm about to say. I bet it was bad enough on the right-hand side, but I bet as a lefty, it looked like it was coming at your dome every pitch. It wasn't comfortable right-handed either. I bet. So. Do you guys remember but did that pitch that he threw? And hit, hit the bird? Hit oh, the yeah. bird. I was on so deck. You were on deck? No, you weren't. Yeah. Holy. Calvin Murray was hitting. That is freaking we cool. We Tucson, and I was on deck. That is crazy. That poor dove just I've got seen clobbered. That. I've seen that. Disintegrated. Yes. <laughs> I've seen that video a thousand times. So, <laughs> did he just – I understand. I mean, did he just – the ball, like, come out of the stratosphere? Because it looked like he hid the ball so well from a righty. He was across his body, and he yeah. was, like, way out there. Yeah. It was just, like, plus in the slight. He had the angle in. From where he was at, and then the slider went to your back foot. Well, was he was so tall, like he's halfway to the mound by the time he releases it. Yeah, it dude, like, good. oh, he's a freak of nature, man. He, yeah. I mean, he was not comfortable. <laughs> I can only imagine. What Holy about crap? Like, uh, what's? You were on deck for that bird. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Yeah, I was going into the game. Kurt Schilling. First big league at bat was off Schilling. Really? really? Yeah. Uh, straight fastball. Good split. Yeah, like he, he had changed the speeds there. well. He located really well. It wasn't like an intimidating at bat. It was not like Randy Johnson. No. So was Randy Johnson your least favorite guy to face, mm, or was there somebody no, else? No, like a couple bats off Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. Yeah, huh. he was uh, Marlins, Padres, Dodgers, um, like big dude. Yeah, he was part of that whole thing, and it was like <laughs> high nineties, yeah. but like three quarter. Huge heavy sink and a slider. He was he was nasty. Um, lefties didn't bother me ever. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I didn't like him. I don't know who else. Who was your favorite guy to hit off of? Um, like, who did you have? The, the or yeah, yeah, like your highest at bats. Yeah, in the big leagues, probably. Like Lester. Really. Yeah, I had decent numbers against John Lester. Well, that's I've good. done some video work for John Lester. He's got a big farm in Georgia. Yeah. Big hunter. Good dude. Yeah. Really nice guy. He was uh like just his strengths were mine. Yeah. So it was kinda like Yeah. Success for me is different than success for a lot of other people, but yeah. against him I had success. So what are your strengths in batting? Middle in. Middle in. And he threw a cutter. And he okay. didn't have anything that could go away from me. So everything was moving in. Yeah. Perfect. Huh. He had I mean he had a slider, he had a change but he could never throw it. Like for me for me it didn't ever look like it was anything to get me out with. Yeah. Uh Barry Zito I did well against. Um Yeah, like those lefties were guys I liked. Hmm. Very interesting. Decent I- numbers against Kershaw. Really? That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Not a lot of people have decent numbers. Well, but those are like 
That's it. <laughs> we, we can go down. Who I was not good against. That, that list is from here to the door. <laughs> well, that, and then the half the beauty of baseball, though, is like you know, guys that are successful three out of ten times can go to the Hall of Fame. It's like it's a freaking game of failure, and you know that's it's such a teaching thing for for kids nowadays. Is like you know, learn to if you learn to fail and you know work through failure and keep trying like that is that is baseball like and you know that is the essence of baseball is failure yeah. you know and yeah. learning how to deal with it not that, you know and on top of like an average major league guy gets shipped around a lot that's gotta be hard oh yeah some are shipped around some are free agency free agency is really easy yeah shipped around is hard even like going up and down, you choose it. Up and down is really tough. Around is not. Up and down is. Yeah, up and down's got to be like big leagues. Big, big mental leagues up there. I mean, yeah. Because you know everybody now because of free agency. Like mm. you've had a lot of teammates and. Yeah, you played with them. First time you got to do it's tough. Yeah. After that, it's like okay. Well, I remember like, so I have a friend, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and his really close friend. I saw him. And he told me Fitz, like, after the Titans gig, he played with the Titans. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't only going to do one more move. And I think that was with the Bills. <laughs> but he, he's he been, like, on five other teams since I heard that. Because so. <laughs> he's still rolling. He's still, he's, yeah. yeah. Doing well. I was like, yeah, well, he's been in NFL for 20 years. It's 20. It's almost 20 years. Wow. He's done all right for himself. Yeah. Like as like probably the I would like he should go in the Hall of Fame for the best backup QB you can hire. <laughs> <laughs> he always ends up oh, playing. No. There's some good ones. Some good backups. Yeah. Steve Young. Steve Young. Oh freaking Well Aaron then he Rogers. wasn't a backup. Well yeah. We'll get he wasn't either. Well like he starts as a backup. Yeah, he always starts and then he, he ends up playing. You missed time. it in Big Sky. Um about five different places we went. And Big Sky this last weekend, everybody told us that Tom Brady had been there like the day before. So oh, really? Him and Giselle had been in Big Sky. I don't know if they have a house or friends or whatever. I'm sure, probably both. But they were up there this whole weekend, the GOAT. I would have gone up to Tom Brady and said, what's up, bud? It's been a while. <laughs> and just, yeah, he's, yeah. Dude, it's me, <laughs> man. Cool? You don't remember? <laughs> Dude, I can't believe it's been Giselle. Yeah, Giselle. That's who I had to talk to. This is the first – yeah, I'll just. Uh, no, I don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> Come how, on, how was Big Sky? It was really cool. I saw cool. a bunch of the pictures. It looked Beautiful, awesome. Beautiful, man. It's such a cool place. And I'm not much of a skier, but that place makes me want to try and go back and go skiing. Why um, wouldn't you? Like, skiing's fun. My left foot's dumb. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. My right leg, man, cutting and grooving. My left leg just kind of Sounds like you got a snowboard. Time, snowboard. Time thing. together. Snowboard. Yeah, dude, something. <laughs> I need to do something. Mono ski. And snowboard? I've never tried snowboarding. Snowboard. I haven't been skiing since I was like 14. We'll go to the snowboard school. Well, well. Or you just learn like a man. <laughs> Which is fall down and get up again. Smartest way. <laughs> you learn like everyone else. <laughs> fall, get up. And your, fall, get up. Your triceps up. will be burning. Yeah. But and you're, from pushing yourself up? Yeah. yeah. From this move right here. Up. Triceps up. and butt. Triceps and butt. It was my mom's. Like you it was feel my like you got raped, and somehow I did, like, a ton of tricep <laughs> work. 
it was my mom's first time out west. She'd never been really been west of the Mississippi. And uh, she's like, yeah, I, I get why you really like this out west thing. She was up at Big Sky? Yeah. That's so awesome. I took her and my dad. It was my dad's 60th birthday. Okay. So I took him to eastern Montana in May. He'd never – my dad's always asked for two – he'd never really asked, but he's always talked about two things he's always wanted to do. He's always wanted to go fishing in Alaska for halibut, and he's always wanted to see Montana. So I took him to eastern – and he's never killed a turkey, but that was never really one of the things he talked about. So I took him to eastern Montana in May and killed his first turkey and then flew him and my mom and my wife out to Big Sky for like – we did Yellowstone and went to Bozeman and kind of did the touristy thing in Big Sky. Um, and they got to see like western Montana, like the really pretty part. And my mom had never been. It was my dad's 60th birthday, so it was kind of like a little mini vacation. Yeah. And uh, they had a freaking blast. They actually just landed in Atlanta a few minutes ago, so they're home now. That's awesome. Yeah, they had a blast. And my mom's like, yeah, I understand why you like the West so much now, and it's so pretty. And the weather was like, they're like, man, it's so hot here. I was like, God, I wish this is what we called hot. It was so nice. Yeah. And it's so dry. And, like, uh, and, and just like my mom – she just didn't know what to bring. She's like, I've never been out west. I don't know what to bring. I'm like, just pack clothes, Mom. It's like, it's not different. Okay. You know, it's like, just bring a jacket because it will get a little chilly in the morning and at night. Yeah. And that was so nice, like, having to find a jacket first thing in the morning in July. It's like, you ain't looking for a jacket in Georgia yeah. in July, which uh. you aren't here either. But <laughs> Yeah, that's here like Idaho in March. Idaho <laughs> Falls, that's what I love. Yeah. Uh, when the sun went down, it actually got cold. Well, it was so funny. Like, Mom... You know, we talk about going to the mountains. She thought when she landed in Idaho Falls, she was going to be on top of a mountain. I'm like, no, Mom, that's not how it works. It's like you land in the valley and you got to go. I was like, there's really nothing on top of the mountains, really. Mm. Like, everything's at the bottom. Unless you're you know? in Denver. Well, Denver is on, you know, the yeah, whole Denver's the whole what a mile the above the thing. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it was cool to see her perspective on the whole thing and just, she just wanted to stay at the Airbnb, sip coffee, and look at the mountains. Like, she Good didn't really her. even care about going anywhere. And elk, we had elk come through the front yard of the Airbnb, and she's, like, thought that was the coolest thing ever. So, I want to do that one next year. Yeah. It was really yeah, cool. I want to, yeah. I'll go with you. And the course was course was nice. I want to go. I said I want to. I know. <laughs> it's it's going to be if you feasible. Go, <laughs> if you go, I'm all in. Yeah. It's cool. And uh, and it's and it's a it's a really nice place. But we tried to eat a couple times, like at Big Sky Resort. Not impressed with that. Go off campus. No, I like about Airbnb, like you go shop and get your food, and then yeah. you don't eat out as much. Like you eat food you like. Yeah. You're not like guessing if the restaurant's gonna be good or not. Well, this trip cost me because this place had a hot tub. Now my wife wants a hot tub. Every night she wanted to sit in the hot tub. Now she's wanting to get one at home. That's she awesome in Georgia. Yeah, no doubt. Summer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just walk outside and you're in a hot tub. <laughs> pretty much. That's funny. Which the, the hottest. Pool. The hottest. Our pool's a hot tub this yeah. time of year. Oh, gosh, I bet it is. The hottest place on yeah. earth I've ever been is Venice, Louisiana in August. You go down there and bow fishing. Like, and if you're not on the boat at midnight with the, the fan on the airboat going, like, it's you can't stand out there. It's mm. It's miserable. Really? Oh, it's the worst place on earth. It's the most uninhabitable place on earth like no doubt how people live there year-round i don't know Wor worse than death valley i've never been to death valley but i would say it'd be a really hard 125 race. i think it had 125 yeah but year. are there bugs the size of pterodactyls i don't know there probably is a lot of flies oh dude venice louisiana is miserable 
miserable. So they have I was bad in Shreveport for a little while. Shreveport? Yeah, I bet Shreveport's just as close to being as bad. Wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, no, Louisiana like just as a state, like Louisiana as a state, just terrible, in my opinion. Sorry if anybody listens to this is from Louisiana, <laughs> but like I don't like that place. Like New Orleans smells. It's a terrible place. I don't like it. <laughs> Louisiana is just hot and humid and nasty. The only good thing that comes out of Louisiana is crawfish. And some crazy women. Crazy? Crazy women come from Louisiana. That's good? Crazy as a pet coon, dude. They're crazy ones. Crazy as a pet coon. Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> when you say crazy, like, you said that was a good thing that came out no. of Louisiana. No, 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 no. You said no, the, the, the crawfish South- and the crazy women. Yeah, well, if you're into that kind of thing. Well, if you if you like a really crazy... Well, they're pack. all crazy. They're just crazier from Louisiana. Probably. Do you think the sweat messes with their I brain? I don't know. Kids in their brain. <laughs> like, do you think they own cats plus the heat? All that mixture equals well, I think destroy they just, the brain. Crazy because they had to live in Louisiana their whole life. There you go. Hmm. That was the only year. So it was the first year my wife went with me mm-hmm. for the season. Um. No, it's about the last year she, she was went a with year you. out of school. <laughs> it's almost the last year she went with you. And like a month into the season, had to get glasses. What? You had to get glasses? No, my wife. Oh, from, okay. From the population? Popula- po- no, like, no, like eyeglasses, right? She worked at a, she like got a temp thing while I was on the road at like an optometry thing. And her vision at night, she could not see. Had to get glasses. Just all of a sudden? All of a sudden. And as soon as we left... She was fine. Never worn glasses again in her life. That the place is making her go crazy. I'm telling you. Good thing you got out of there. What did I say, dude? I don't know if I'm it was stress, you. if it was like I'm telling you, like I'm the dude. I I know my crazy women in Louisiana. They're top of the list. Something's going on in there. The water. I don't know. I'm telling you, we were there a month and she needed glasses. Do you? And we were home two weeks and she didn't need them anymore. Like throw these a in month, the trash. But a month's all you needed to know. You didn't ever want to go back to that place. I didn't need that long. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't need that long. <laughs> I just had to stay. Yeah. I didn't need that long. <laughs> You're like, we're going to play good. So we oh, the first night we were on our road trip, first night somebody's banging on the door at the apartment, like trying to get in. She's there by herself calling me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm eight hours away. Yeah. Like, Call 911. Yeah. That's what you need to do. Oh, I hadn't. My yeah. wife did that one time. I was filming in Illinois. On a deer hunt, and uh, I was supposed to drive back the next morning. We had finished hunting that night, and out the next we we're gonna stay there at the outfitter and drive back the next morning. And I get a call at like ten or eleven o'clock at night, and she's like, "Somebody's trying to break into the house in Columbus, Georgia, like eleven hours away." And I said the same thing. I'm like, "What do you want me to do? Why are you calling me? Yeah. Like I love you, and I want you to be safe, but like, why are you calling me?" Nine one one. And she's like, "Well, I just heard glass break." I'm like. Call 911. And what did I do? My dumb butt got in my truck and drove 11 hours home through the night. Got there, and the cops found nothing, no glass broken. She was just hearing stuff. Instead, I just Ironmaned it all the way across the country, <laughs> and there's nothing there. An uh, 11-hour trip and nine. Oh, yeah. I probably did shave at least an hour off the trip. Nobody on the road, but, oh, I was freaking, it was a ghost ship there for a little while driving back because I was tired, man. Ghost ship. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, G- Jesus take the wheel yeah, there. Yeah, it's like you put your thumbs up and just try and keep it between the mayonnaise and the mustard going down the road. Mayonnaise and the mustard. <laughs> yeah, dude. man. That's what you're trying to do. Oh, I love dude. It. I love it. <laughs> Heck, yeah. I've done that many times. Just That's where sunflower seeds come in, man. You chew sunflower seeds when you're driving to keep you awake. You know, I've had a bunch of times where like, I was driving back from Idaho, and I would just pull over. And I would take a 20-minute nap in my truck and Dude, then continue on. I feel like I've been in a fight if I try and do that. I'd rather chew sunflower seeds or just get a hotel. Like, there's no in-between. Like, me trying to me trying to try and sleep in a vehicle in a, on an airplane, my life would be so much easier if I could sleep on an airplane or in a vehicle, and I can't do it for the life of me. I like doze maybe, but, like, falling asleep, cannot do it. Tried, I've tried my whole life. I can't do it. I'd rather drive. I'm completely out in an airplane. See, I do. do I can't sleep on an airplane. You know who? You know who's a daggum narcolept when I get in a vehicle? Dud. John Dudley. Yeah. Like I never forget the first road trip I was gonna do with him. I'm like, do you? I was like, you want me to drive? He's like, if you want us to live, you should drive. And I'm like, <laughs> what? He's like, dude, you do not want me to drive. He's like, I, I was like, he's like, as soon as we get on the interstate, I will fall asleep. I'm like, how have you lived this long? He's like, I really don't know. I don't know. That's funny. He is, dude. I've got some. Killer video of D- John Dudley sawing logs in the passenger seat of my truck going on trips. <laughs> just freaking in the spirit world. Just saving them. 100%. <laughs> just, just, just save me, I sweet baby Jesus. I oh, got yeah. these videos saved. Just oh, in yeah. Case. I've got them. He's in the spirit world. He was. He's a spirit <laughs> hawk over there. Just absolutely just out. Oh, man. That's great. Yeah. Tell him to bring his CPAP with him in, oh, in the dude. truck. He had to overnight it to Montana this last year because I was like, I'm not sleeping in the same room with you without CPAP. Same like with you. Yeah, I know. You, you're, I know. you're bad. I know. I know. I love you. I know, I know. I love you, but. I know I snore. Oh, yeah. I, that, I wouldn't call what you do snoring. <laughs> you're calling demons, man. Calling demons. <laughs> you are. You're the exercising the demons in there, man. Well, I'm trying to let them out. <laughs> You ain't got them out yet. You didn't. You didn't have them out in Salt Lake in February. They were still there. Yeah, yeah. I forgot the uh, CPAP. Yeah, you did. No, I had it, didn't I? No. If you did, then it's broken. It's malfunctioned. It did not work. <laughs> it was bad. I went yeah, got, no, no. You're right. Yeah, because yeah, you slept I, with Dudley. Yeah, I went and got a hotel room. Like I had laid down. And he was snoring so bad, I got up within an hour and went to the front desk because, like, I need another room. <laughs> he did. Yeah, I didn't that's even ask, true. Didn't even that's ask how much it cost. I'm like, I, she's like, which room? I was like, I don't care. Just put me in something. Doesn't matter. Doesn't just, matter. Just I was like, I'm, there, I'm not sleeping in that room. Not happening. That's really funny. Oh, dude. it was. I was like, man, the sound's coming out of you. I should have recorded it and sold it to the, the uh, Hills Have Eyes or something movie. Hills have eyes. Bigfoot. Yeah, fine. Yeah, BFRO. something. Some you sort bl- of. Hey, do you, look. Let's talk something about serious. We're real really quick. about to go down the rabbit hole, aren't we? Do you believe in Bigfoot? <laughs> we did ask Ryder this question. Oh, you did? Yeah, and he's, he he did say he believed in it. Oh, well, that's well, Ryder. Um, I think he said he was him. Hey, did we? <laughs> he, <laughs> hey, should we? We got Ryder's side of the story on the. The bike. The bike. Oh, the Should bike. we get Caleb's side of the story? Well, I mean, if it differs, then we <laughs> should. <laughs> if it differs. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, so we had Ryer's side of the story about your new Rambo that he yeah. um, 
thought he was. His uh, face went to a different place just now. Yeah, yeah Lance Armstrong he went, he went over there. So, <laughs> all right, I'll tell His you. Face my, went unhappy. Tell us the real I'll story. You, I'll tell you my side of the story, and this is the truthful side of the story because Ryer's not gonna. He's not gonna tell you the truth because he was in the wrong here. He was in the wrong. He's gonna try and paint himself in a better light than he needs to be painted. So, <laughs> my brother, who's my size, he's a big dude. Got on my brand new Rambo, which is which one was it? I don't even remember which one it was. It was one of my fat tire Rambos. Anyway, I just got it, like literally put it together the day before, and it was there for one of my kids' birthday parties. And we were, of course, I always invite Ryer because he's always down for some free food. Which I mean, what twenty, you know, twenty-four, twenty-five-year-old single dude's not there for some. Was free he food. wearing like a Hawaiian shirt, he like was Miami wearing, Vice shorts? Hundred percent. Yep. He's always wearing something. He's very eclectic is the way I like to describe Ryer. Collectic? Eclectic. E- eclectic, yeah. Eclectic. E- what's eclectic? It's Ryer. Different? Yeah, Diff- different. Yeah, like your you never thing. know. Like Sometimes he's like cowboyed up. Next time he's like Miami Vice. That's eclectic. Okay. He's different. I told you. It reminds me of the guy from Queen of the South. Uh, have you seen that TV show? <laughs> I have not. I'll have to watch yeah, it now. I, I, what was the guy's name? George. George. That's what I said. Yeah. Like he described himself. And I was like, you just described George from Queen of the South. I'll have to watch and that now. Like, you should watch it anyway. Is it good? Yeah. I still think it's great. My kids think he's a leprechaun. Oh, well, he might be. So, anyway. So I my, digress. My brother. Digress so here. my driveway, you got to think about, like, my house sits on a hill. And then I've got, like, a 16% grade going down and then back up, back to the road. Like, it is a sketchy driveway like you can't see over the hood of your truck when you're turning down my driveway because it's so steep yeah. you can't see where you're going you just got to trust it and then you go up and it's <laughs> yeah. the same way going up so i'm so, gonna go with that being sketchy it's sketchy okay. so it, like if it, it freaks everybody out the first time they come over my house like i couldn't see over the hood of my car i didn't know where to go i just kind of went and tried to stay on the concrete so anyway my brother gets on the bike and he used to race enduro motorcycles in his younger days gets on the bike just tears off the hill Goes up the next hill, turns back around, and comes back down the hill pretty fast. And he says on the odometer, he got it to like 34 or 37 or something. And then, of course, guys being guys, he looks at Ryer and he's like, so, Mr. Bicycle Man, you think you can beat that? (laughs) And then Ryer wasn't going to ride the bike because he's completely against fat tire bikes. He thinks they're cheating. They're not really bicycles. They can't call themselves bikes. They're this, that, and the other. So, But as soon as my brother you know, throughout the challenge, like, hey, look, Mr. Bicycle Man, you can't beat this, you know, old fat guy on this bicycle going down this hill faster. Ryer's like, immediately, like, give me that bike. Give me the bike. So he gets on the bike, goes down the hill, goes up the next hill. Well, when you get to the top of the second hill, you can't see him. And the next thing I do is I hear just tires coming down the hill at least twice as fast as Josh came down. (laughs) He was flying. And it was one of those things to where he's going so fast, and he and you could just see it on his face. There's no say. There's no bringing this back on the concrete. <laughs> and he just, instead of like coming down the hill and going back up, he just sends it off the bottom into the trees. And this is in early <laughs> or late July. It's about this time last year, I guess. Because it's Tess's birthday. Yeah, yeah, it was Tess's birthday. Yeah. And uh, and all I'm thinking is, is, and when I see him go off into the abyss of trees, is. He's one of two things. He's dead or he is severely incapacitated because he was hauling. And I'm like, I have to, he is supposed to be filming like 47 hunts this fall. 
<laughs> and he is now like he's going to be drinking out of a straw for the rest of his life. Like that's seriously what I thought. He was going that fast. And I look up and he is coming up the driveway pushing the bike with two blown tires and the handlebars jacked up. And I'm just glad to see he's not dead. He's like, oh, went a little too fast and couldn't save it. He's like, but, I, you know, I know how to fall good. He's like, you know how to fall good? Practice. He's like, yeah, that's, that's a skill in bicycle riding. He's like, you got to learn how to fall and crash. I'm like, well, what you just did, there's no skill required to do what you just did. <laughs> you literally sent it, tried to, and, and I was like, and he's like, well, I did go faster than him. I'm like. But you did. He he made it to the top, Briar. Like you didn't. He, he you didn't half half the drill was finished. You sent it in the trees. He made it to the top of the hill. And my brand new bike has two blown tubes, a warped wheel, and you know a hundred dollars worth of damage. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll fix it. Did he fix it? Uh, no, nah, I fixed it. But <laughs> it wasn't that big a deal. But it's like he, like I don't. He was very close to dying. Very close. He said he was like under. He was perfectly in no, control all the time. I have multiple witnesses I could bring to the podcast that would refute that story. <laughs> I'm gonna have to listen to the podcast again to get the details. It was a while back. He was going very fast, but yeah. I can go very fast if I'm just gonna crash. Nothing in there, bud. I gotta re. re I gotta refill him. What do you need? No, I just thirsty. Was looking. I'm yeah, always looking we're for usually, We're usually stocked up with Kill Cliff in here. Oh, right? yeah. Gone. But if Kill Cliff would sponsor us, we could have, <laughs> you know. Be. Your, boy, your boy just got quite a shipment. Dud? Nope. Andy? Nope. Your boy here, not Kill Cliff. Oh, Brad? Yeah. A B- oh, yeah. BRC? Yeah. yeah, he did. Quite a shipment he posted online yeah. there. I'm a little jealous. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. out. I'm waiting for my 19th. My shipment on the 19th. Dang. Auto tomorrow. ships tomorrow. All nice. you have to do is build a trailer for them. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, no problem. <laughs> yeah, build them a trailer. And build one myself. Yeah, just get some two-by-fours. Yeah, start building. Get after get it. Get some axles over from Harbor Freight over here. Oh, golly. Yeah, yeah. you going to kill the person That's behind you. That's what you're you. doing with them now? No. <laughs> That's how we're getting them out quick now. Uh, well, we ran out of axles. Now we've got to buy them from Harbor Freight. Yeah. Sketchy. Tired of going different places to get all you want? Looking for a program that offers everything? Are you interested in training, nutrition, baseball, softball, after-school youth programs, hunting, or charity work? One Performance is an all-inclusive program that offers training, advising, instruction, and opportunity for everyone, from the beginner to the professional. With a staff compiled of some of the best in their fields, impressive backgrounds, and an unmatched passion for teaching and giving back, One Performance is the first of its kind in Arizona. With the connections and background we have in the baseball community on a local and national level, from T-ball to the major leagues, One Performance offers teams known as Arizona National BPA, opportunity for instruction, gameplay, and development in every aspect of the game, both physically and mentally. The staff at One Performance Training are some of the finest in their respective fields. They strive to educate, motivate, and assist every athlete in maximizing their abilities. Whether you're looking for an opportunity for a young athlete or a seasoned professional to surround themselves with like-minded coaches, mentors, and athletes, One Performance is the family you're looking for. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Ready for an escape? Ready for an adventure? 
Do you want to camp, hunt, hit the dunes, or just relax on the beach? Ruley White RV is the number one toy hauler dealer in Arizona for the past five years running. With a no-pressure culture and no dealer fees, they guarantee you a great price and a great experience as you purchase your very own toy hauler or travel trailer. Rolly White is family-owned and operated and has now expanded to five locations, including Mesa, West Phoenix, North Phoenix, Flagstaff, and Idaho Falls, Idaho. Whether you're looking for a toy hauler or travel trailer, fifth wheel or bumper pole, Rolly White can get you what you're looking for. They carry all the big names, including Genesis Supreme, Vortex, Attitude, Wolfpack, Raptor, Forest River, and the newly released Wanderer by Genesis. We all want to beat the heat or just escape the craziness and get outdoors. Let Rolly White help you get there by visiting any of our locations or checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and online at rollywhite.com. So, Caleb... Tell us about how, like, when did um, you decide you wanted to film being the social media content, you know? Well, when I started, I mean, I guess there was social media, but, like, not what it is now. Yeah. So, this will be, I started the Sub 7 professionally January of 2012. So, January... 22 will be 10 years that I've been doing this professionally. Yeah. Uh, and I was doing it very amateurly for two and a half, three years before that. So when I first got started in this, it was all about TV. Everything was TV. I mean, that's where the money and the bread was buttered was in outdoor television. Yeah. And uh, growing up, that's all I watched. It was, it was baseball, church, and hunting. Like, that's all I knew. Um, and I always said I was going to make my money playing baseball or being a part of baseball or hunting. One or the other, that's how I was going to make my living. Yeah. Didn't know how, but one of the, it was either going to be coaching baseball, you know, if I was ever thought I'd be good enough to get, get paid to play, or it was going to be something hunting. And honestly, back in those days, hunting was the more far-fetched one in my mind. Yeah. I figured baseball would, it, it, if nothing else, coaching, because I loved coaching. Um, and still do. I wish I had time to do it. Um, but uh, I uh, was reading an article, in a, uh, which is funny because I didn't really ever look at magazines or read articles much. But I saw an ad in Field and Stream magazine for, it was called Generation Wild. And um, they were looking for four kids under the age of 18 to become a part of this Generation Wild for Field and Stream Magazine. And uh, you had to submit, essentially, the story of your first hunt. Well, I'm 20 or 21 at the time, sophomore, junior, senior-ish in college. And uh, my brother, at the time, was 17, about to turn 18. Well, me and him have hunted since we were, you know, little. I mean, I was there for his first deer. He was there for my first deer. Like, we've always hunted together. So I signed him up. For this generation, wild thing. Fill out the application as if I'm Josh Copeland. Write the story of his first hunt because I was there. You know, filled out everything out. And honestly, didn't ever really think about it again. Never thought in a million years he'd win. Lo and behold, they call and he's one of the four kids they pick. Um, part of winning this was he had to write articles 
and do video blogs for Field and Stream underneath the Generation Wild. And this was just a year thing. They were going to pick new kids every year, so we got to do it for a year. But part of winning is he got to go on a turkey hunt in Alabama. He got to go tour Realtree Farms. He got to go to Michigan and be filmed for a show that was called Outdoor Icons that was produced by Wolf Creek Productions back when I think actually think Wolf Creek's still around um, in Michigan. Um, and I got to go with him with, to Realtree Farms, and I got to go with him to Michigan. So I got to, you know, tour Realtree Farms, meet Bill Jordan, who I'd watched for, you know, 10, 15 years up until then, met some of the field producers for Realtree and thought that was a pretty cool job, talked to them, asked some questions, and then um, got to go see kind of how the, you know, how the sauce was made or how the sausage was made in terms of television when I got to go up with him to Michigan and watch him make the show that Josh got to be in. And I uh, thought it was really cool. And it was so much different than how I thought it was. And then so part of his winning was he had to do video blogs. Well, they provided him with a little handy cam. Well, I didn't want his to be just selfie videos like all these other kids. Like, I wanted his to be better than the other three kids. So, like, we bought a second little camera for, like, a couple hundred bucks. And I would two-angle shoot his instead of, like, all these other kids were, like, filming themselves. Hey, I'm out shooting my bow today. Here's how I'm shooting my bow, blah, blah, blah. Well, we would actually go out and try and film some hunts. And, like, I would produce them with, like, no, like, only knowledge I had was from what I'd seen on television. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. Put it in iMovie on my iMac that I had at school and uh, would cut these little things together with unlicensed music. Just I'd just rip stuff off of YouTube. And how we'd turn these videos in and, like, they, at the end of the year, they're like, hey, you did so much more work and like, kind of went above and beyond than these other kids. Like, do you want to stay on and like do more stuff for us? And my brother's like, I didn't do any of that. My brother did all that, talking about me. Because my brother's as blue collar as they come. Like, he works in chicken houses, rode motorcycles, and hunts. Like, that's all my brother does. Yeah. He, he's not a computer person. He's not a technology person. That's always been me. And uh, so they asked me if I wanted to produce a web web series for them. This is back before anybody was doing web series. And I, and I was smart enough to kind of say, like, hey, look, I would love to do this, but I can't afford to buy camera gear and to travel around. And they're like, okay, well, we'll pay you. They ended up paying me $5,000 to produce six web shows. Dude, I thought I was rich. Yeah. And I was like a, it's like I said, a, soft, or a junior, senior in college. Just got paid five thousand dollars to film a hunting web show with my brother. I'm like, dude, we're we've made it. Like, I, we've made it. You know, that's what I thought. I took half that money and bought a used HD camera from this chick off of uh, Craigslist in a Caribou Coffee parking lot in Roswell, Georgia. I'll never forget it. Bought this camera from her and had an HD camera. One of the first. It was a tape based camera, and uh, it was a X. X, I can't remember the name. It was a Canon. I can't remember the name, model number now. But anyway, we started filming hunts, man. And we didn't have, much, you know, very good places to hunt. We'd shoot every doe to walk by. Like, we didn't care. Like, we were just, we were just stoked. We were, we were, we'd made it or whatever. Yeah. And uh, made the six web shows. They never aired them. I didn't care. I got paid. And then I, you know, went back to school, was playing baseball and graduated. And, but the whole time... After I graduated for the you know two and a half years after I was out of school and done with baseball, what did you? I kept go to filming for business management. Yeah, uh, I have a degree in business business administration, business management, whatever. Um, literally learned nothing that is of value to me today. Um, but anyway, I uh, 
Sounds about right. It, uh, seriously, like I can't tell you. I seriously can't put my finger on one thing well, I learned. It's like, I'm hey, a, I use that every day in business. Like, I don't. Yeah, I have a degree. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I don't oh, yeah. I literally got a degree that says, hey, this guy is not a douche and knows how to learn. That's what I got. But anyway. Mine so, doesn't say that. Well, that's what, it's, that's what everybody sees it as, oh. in my opinion. But anyway, so for two and a half years, I filmed anybody who'd let me go with them. Yeah. Like anybody around my area that would say, hey, will you let me come sit in a deer stand with you or go film your turkey hunt? And just that to, was while you are going through school. Well, that's after I was out of school. So, we'll, so I was working you, in IT. I, I got a job with a local like small IT company just kind of like scanning viruses and helping little old ladies with Outlook. Yeah. You know, and it was – Simple enough, but it was it was my first, I guess, foray into the real world, I guess. I was making like $25,000 yeah. was my salary. And um, and filming hunts on the weekends, anywhere I could go. And, uh, Were my, you married then? Yeah. We got married uh, in 2010. So I was, was married for two years while I was doing this. And then anyway, so I... Uh, my boss in IT, loved him to death, Maurice Graham, one of the greatest humans I've ever met, got, went into partnership with this lady who was, I can get along with just about anybody, couldn't get along with this lady. She was, she was a butthole. And I just saw it like, I don't have a future here with this woman involved. And I was just looking for something else. And I was I didn't want to do IT forever. Yeah. And I reached out to Jeff Foxworthy believe it or not, the comedian. You reached out to him? On email through a friend of a friend of a friend. I had a show idea that I'd had for a long time. It was a hunting show idea, hunting show concept, and he's really the only person that I knew of that had the means or the capabilities of of doing something like this. And it was just kind of shot in the dark type thing. Just send an email out. Send an email to his personal email address that I got, like I said, through a friend of a friend of a friend. And um, I wrote out this really nice detailed email of, like, what the show looked like, how it would be shot, you know, where I thought it would air. I wish to God I still had the email. I can't find it. Um, But anyway, sent this email. Within two days, I get an email back. Caleb, this is Jeff. Read your email. Absolutely love this idea. Do you care if I run this by someone? Absolutely. Run it by whoever you want. Two weeks later, something like that, I get a call from my old boss. Mark Womack at uh, Sub 7. And he I answer the phone, and uh, he says, Hey, Caleb, this is Mark Womack. And I knew exactly who it was. This is the guy that helped start Bone Collector. Like, this is the OG in the freaking industry. Like, he's what's made outdoor television what it is today. Like, I've really? watched everything you've ever produced ever. Yeah. And uh, I immensely, I'm like, holy crap. Hey, you know, you know. You know, he's like, well, he's like, Jeff Fox really reached out to me and showed me your idea. And he's like, as a producer, it's my job to poke holes in things. And he said, I really can't poke holes in this one. He's like, what do you think about us shooting a pilot for this? And I was like, absolutely. I was like, the only thing I ask is I can be a, some small part of it. And in my mind, that meant, like, put my name in the credits. Like, that's the small part I wanted. You wanted your name in the credits. You didn't think you no, would actually work that's the them. furthest thing that I thought. And he's like... Well, we're going to shoot a pilot. Now, I want to say this was in, like, it was during shed season, so it was in the springtime. He's like, uh, we're going to shoot a pilot down here at Jeff's farm. Do you want to come down here and help? And I'm like, I'll quit my job. I'll be there. You tell me when and where. And uh, I went down there, stayed the night at his house, never met him from Wait, Adam. Did you did you go on your job and be like, I quit? You no, I didn't. He actually let me go. 
But anyway, I went down there, met Jeff, um, you know, got to hang on his farm for a day, help him film this pilot. Absolutely no. I thought I knew what I was doing until I rolled with people that actually knew what they were doing. Yeah. Lost as a goon, man. Freaking lost as last year's Easter egg. Had no idea what I was doing. But I was just happy to be there. Um, filmed for a day. They let me run around with Jeff a little bit. And that was, that was super cool for me. Just an experience. And that's, that's, I thought that was it. Okay, well, get done with that. And six months later, that's when he hired, or they, they, he goes into partnership with that lady I can't stand. Well, I reached back out to Mark over text or email. I can't remember. And I'm like, hey, I'm looking for anything in the industry. Like, I'm willing to do whatever, move, relocate, whatever. I just, I want to do something in the outdoor space, but don't know what. If you have anything or know of anything, let me know. It wasn't too long, much longer. He said, he calls me and says, my, my production company's busting at the seams. Would you be willing, you, would you want to come work for me? I'm like, when and where? Kind of the same thing. We worked out the details. Two weeks later, January the 14th, 2012, we moved to Columbus, and I started working at Sub 7. Not even the least bit qualified. No idea what I was doing. I'll never forget Chance Chancellor, our old production manager, handing me the first episode to edit. And I literally had no idea what I was doing. I was scared out of my mind. First couple of shows I went and helped film was with Craig Morgan, the country music singer. Yeah. Didn't even know how to run the camera. Didn't know what the buttons were. Had no idea what ISO was, no idea what shutter was. I'll flip that sucker on, turn it to auto, and just run with it, which is what most guys still do today. I learned more in three months of what how to do my job and how to do it correctly than I did in three years of doing it on my own. Just working with people that did this every day and that, that knew how to do it and that could teach me and were willing to teach me. Chance Chancellor and Nathan Thomas, two guys that used to work at Sub 7, taught me 90, 90% of what I, you know, the knowledge I still use today that I've, they built that foundation that I've continued to try and build on. Yeah. And, um, and I'm very, I'm eternally grateful to both of them. Two, still two people that I consider very, very good friends, and uh, learned a lot of what not to do in business there. Um, learned a lot of valuable lessons in how to work with people, how to treat people, how to be a good communicator, um, things of that nature. And like, because that's what I say now, like with Copeland Creative is like. We do all the little things right. We're not the best shooters. We're not the best producers. We're not the best editors. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we do all the little things right. If you answer me, I answer the phone. If you text me, I text you back. If you email me, I email you back. You know, we're on time. We're going to do a good job. We're going to listen. We're going to do, we're going to bend over backwards to do everything we possibly can to facilitate what you need. Are we going to be the best at it? No. But we're going to get rid of all the headaches of, because creative people are notoriously great at being creative, but they can only work within their time frame and their vision. They can't, they don't work with deadlines. They're not good communicators. They only work within what's in their creativity and in their space. They can't turn that and do a very good job in the business side of it. Yeah. They're really good at being creative. They suck at the business side. Yeah. We're good at being creative and we're good at the business side. We're not great at either one of them, but we're good at both of them, yeah. you know, and we're still learning. And I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, I want to learn every day. Like I'm going to 
screw up and I want if I if, if there's a better way of doing it I want you to tell me you know I, I mean I've asked you a thousand questions about business and things yeah. and like growing pains like we're still going through it right now like hiring people trying to do different things getting bigger contracts working with personalities and working with these you know different things it's like you know money and what to invest in what not to invest in what do I you know what do I do what don't I do and like dude I'm that's I'm not the guy to ask if I didn't have people in my life like you, like, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. You know, because I, I seriously don't know. Um, and I still, you know, I, I still don't know. I'm still figuring it out every day. I think we all are. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's kind of like being a parent. It's like, you you know, I've had guys that are going to have kids that ask me, like, what, what's it like? I'm like, dude, I still don't know. I was like, the goal is to keep them alive, man. It's like, that's about that's it, as, man. That's about all I know. Was like, the goal is to keep them alive. Play yeah. baseball and hunt. Yeah. If you, yeah, get, exactly. if you could get your kids to love baseball and love to hunt. Yeah. I feel like we did something. Well, see, that's the right. thing is like, you know, like the, that's like asking, you know, asking somebody how to be a parent. It's like, you figure that crap out. There's not a guidebook. There's like, you just figure it out. Yeah. I wish to God I knew. I still don't. I still can't. I've got a friggin' one that turns eight today. I had no idea how that happened. Yeah. That's true, man. Yeah, Lunch starts his senior year on Wednesday. Oh, man. Senior year, yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to the wife um, last week, and we were like, you know, if we had a kid, right, when we got married, it, he would be, or he or she would be 15 years old. <laughs> it's like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, me and Nicole mm-hmm. celebrated 10 years this last year, and I'm like, where did 10 years go? 10 freaking years like that. I don't know, like, how long, how, how many years you've been married? Been married 20. 20 yeah. years. Well, see, dude. and I'm sure y'all will agree, it's like, I look at, I look back on, on my life so far, and it's like, you turn 18, 21-ish, life hits third gear. You get married, fourth gear. Kids, fifth gear, pedal to the metal. Yeah. And it, then you can't downshift. Like, it's wide open after that. What do they say? In that span of 10 years, you've went three gears in life. Like, I just, I like, that's what I tell my wife all the time. I'm like, I just, how do we slow it down? You don't. Well, yeah. You can't. Yeah, well, I'm trying it to figure it out. Up. It speeds yeah. up. It speeds up until they're gone. Days oh, yeah. are long. Years are short. That's yeah. Because, you know, when you got yeah. little ones, it seems like the days are really long. I don't know that, But dude. then you, the years I, I feel like, like all I do when I'm home is, like, I get up, I go to work, and then I'm putting my kids to bed. Like, I feel like that's all yeah. I do every day. Like there's the no in between for me. Like it's like I'm up, and then I'm putting kids to bed. I'm up, and then I'm putting kids to bed. It's I don't routine. know what happened in the middle. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I do know. Yeah. Yeah. We we've been together for well, it'll be 21 in November this year. We've been married, and then it's, we've been together since '94. So. So all three of us time. got married during hunting seasons. How we stupid did. are we? Yeah, we did uh, what they said. You know, well, same yeah. here. Yeah, the uh, at the end of the day, it's my fault. Yeah, well, I had all my kids during uh, spring. Though. One of my buddies told me Mine were October and December. One so. one of my buddies Ooh. told me some of the best advice that I didn't listen to. He's like, "Don't think about getting married till you're 35. Think about it till you're 40 and forget it." <laughs> 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 I'm like, maybe in a different life, buddy, but I didn't listen to your advice. <laughs> 35. 
Yeah, think about it till you're 40, and at 40, forget it. Forget it. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah, you know what, though, man? Like, I know guys that haven't got married, and I, f- I feel, you know, I'm sure they're happy in their own way, but in the way, you know, I'm, I know they, both of them have regret. Oh, they yeah. They didn't get married, and now they feel like it's past, and they can't. Yeah. So my brother just had a second kid this week. Wow. Yeah. So like, you're less than a year and a half apart. Mm-hmm. He's forty three. Forty three. He waited. Yeah. But needed to wait. Yeah. Like he, he needed wasn't, mature. He wasn't ready. Yeah. yeah. At all. Well, um, well, dude. But who is ready? I wasn't ready to have kids. Well, there's some Who's people that are, are legit. You, are you not ever ready? Re- well, I guess I mean legit. I just mean he wasn't ready to like get married, settle yeah. down. Yeah. Like, he wasn't. You know, not a bad way. Just like. Yeah. Wasn't ready. Well, yeah. I've, I've thought about that. Like, if you want to wait to be ready for kids, whether that's financially, emotionally, whatever, it's like, pff, good luck, waiting. dude. Yeah. You'll never get there. Well, it's you just got to do it. Like you yeah. said, with work and yeah, I've said yes to so many things that I have no clue. How are you going to do that? Dude. Figure it out. Fake yes. That's what, yes. what my old baseball coach used to say. He's like, act like you've been there before. That's it. Well, act like you've been there before. When you're an entrepreneur and you're doing your own business, you have to just you learn through failure. Oh, 100%. So how are you going to do it? I don't know, but I'm willing to fail and figure it out. But it's it's the same way with parenting, too, with your kids, is you want, like, there's certain things that I think your kids should learn through failure, but as a parent, you don't want your kids to fail, even though a lot of times it's actually, you should let them fail. It, but it's really hard fail. for me to go, like, I know you're about to screw up, but I'm going to let you do it. Because yeah. this is going to teach you more than me saying, hey, why don't you do it this way? Yeah. If you don't let them fail when they're with you, then when they fail, they'll be without you. Well, see. And that's when they fail with you, you actually can help them after the failure to Get back well, up. I don't know. And I don't know if we talked about on. this in the last podcast. I don't know. Maybe we did. We talked about baseball. Well, I know we did, but did yeah. we talk about my little boy who's five who just did t-ball this spring? Yeah. We did talk about that? Yeah, how a fresh, little bit. Yeah, you were yeah. about playing catch. Yeah, and, and, how, throw he just, and, and he misses the ball one time, and he's just over it. He wants to quit. Yeah. And I just want to shake him. Well, and I can't shake him, but I want to shake him. Like, that's not how this works, <laughs> you know? But he he's got to where like he just wants to hit, and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to play catch. He's like, I just want to hit. I'm like, well, you you, you do you got to do both. Well, I don't want to catch. I just want to hit. Well, she's where money's at. <laughs> exactly. There's this. I went to this parenting class, and it was all about making your kids teach themselves how to take care of themselves. Right? Like, if they're they they use the example of like they spilt water in their bed. And let them get up, get a towel, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Don't run in the room and fix it for them, you know? Yeah. What they didn't teach you is the <laughs> flip side, is that once they realize how they can get everything done themselves, yeah. then they're waking up at 7 in the morning eating a bowl of ice cream because <laughs> they know how to get it. <laughs> or they're grabbing fruit snacks and just cracking yeah. the thing open because they don't need your help anymore. And they well, learn how to climb up to the top and just grab whatever they want. Yeah. That's funny. It's yeah. like, well. Well, it just goes back to what we were there. saying. It's like, you know, you, you, see, you see these kids that are 
so well-rounded, and then you see their parents, you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, it's easy. You, you, like, I look at how I was raised and how me and my brother were raised and how our parents were. It's like I had the greatest parents in the world. But then I know guys that are really good friends of mine that didn't have the best parents in the world. I've seen those guys be the best people ever, and I've seen those same guys with those same parents go down terrible roads. You know, it's this whole this whole parenting thing and the whole even the business thing. The, it's like you're 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 walking on thin ice every day. You know, I think the most important thing for kids are is that, and no offense to anyone listening that didn't get raised this way or are in this situation, but is that they have a father and mother in the house and it's a constant good relationship all the way through. And I see so many kids that are living in a divorced home Mm -hmm. and if the parents don't get along, those kids are messed up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think about, you know, and I was one of the fortunate ones that had parents that are still together this day, you know, and it's, a, it's a rare thing in this day, this day and age, and I, I agree with you. You know, it's, and that's what I was saying, watching something the other day, and it's like, a, you know, yeah, I think it was like seventy percent your a child's seventy percent more likely to be in abusive, like home when there's divorced parents. Yeah. You know, and that's that's tough, man, and, and it, it's, yeah, that's a that's a whole different can of worms. And no offense to anyone that's. Maybe divorced. Yeah. But I yeah, also think that if they're divorced and they can get along, because, like, if you're, div- you're divorcing and you have kids, like, you realize that you still will be in that person's life yeah. probably forever. Yeah. And it's better to be friends still and get along really well. And that's hard. That's easier said than done. But oh, yeah. Because... It's for the kids, and if you can push your feelings aside for the kids, like, it'll have better results. Like, I, I just, from my own personal experiences, I have some cousins that suffered through that, and yeah. one made it, one didn't make it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's sad when it doesn't work out for the kids. Yeah. But... I bet. And you can still do everything right, and they can still screw up. Oh, yes. kind of, yeah. Or, you, see that, or you can screw up as a parent. They yeah. can be great kids. Seen like, that happen, yeah. How many there. great kids, and they have the messed up family life? Oh, yeah, 100%. I or know. the opposite. Yeah. They could be just pampered and, like, They're little the shits. best childhood ever, and they just grow up to be yeah. assholes. They know? grow yeah. up to be entitled, yep. privileged. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, the thin ice thing. It's like raising kids, man. It's like, holy crap. I'm just going to try to teach my kids to work really hard, be respectful, tell the truth, integrity, you know? Yeah. And um, Pretty good start. I just want mine to have common sense and think for themselves. The world we live in today is like, don't just, don't just jump off the bridge just because your friend said that's the right thing to do. It's like, just take a step back and be like, all right, I got a good head on my shoulders. This doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? Or why are we thinking this or believing this? Like, my parents never told me how to think or feel or on the political side of things. Like, that was just like, hey, look, these are the values that we have. 
we believe in working hard. We believe in this and this and this. It's like, but you're there to make your own decisions. Yeah. Now, they never said, hey, you've got to do this. You've got to vote this way. It's like, look, think for yourself. You know, how does this, this, does this make sense? Does this make sense? And it's like, okay, just use common sense. And uh, that's, that's something that is lost on so many people now. Yeah. And it, it just is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, there's a lot of dumb people. Yeah. What's the what's the, the comedian that was on Blue Collar Comedy Tour, Bill Ingvall's like, you can't fix stupid. Yeah, you can't. Fix cannot. You, can't mm-hmm. you can't fix stupid. Yeah, you not even close. <laughs> nope. It's not even worth trying. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> over and over and over. It's a losing battle, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. You always... There's certain people you just like, like employees that you're like, they're going to catch on. They're, of course they're going to catch on. Like who wouldn't be able to catch on? And then they're not catching on. And then you're spending time and time like into that's it. That's easy. Come on. Here's a, here's, a, here's a business question I have. Um, so, and I think Brock, me, you and I have talked about this a lot. But, you know, I've got two guys that work for me. We're about to bring on uh, another person. And, you know, filming hunts and traveling around and doing things like that. Like I obviously can't pay what, you know, what these guys or girls could go out into the corporate world and make. They're going to make more money doing a different job than working for me. Just plain and simple. But this job offers things that those jobs can't. Really cool places, really cool people, things like that, which you can't put a price tag on. But at the same time, like, I want to be able to do some things for the people that work for me that weren't done for me when I worked at a production company, which is, you know, what, what are some things I can do to incentivize employees that work for me? And it's like, hey, look, I'm thinking about you. Like, I, I care about you. I want you to, I want you to enjoy Because no one's going to work as hard as you do for the business that you own. Yeah. So what are some things that you su- you could suggest that I could do It's like, hey, here's a small gesture or here's a small token of appreciation. It's like, look, I see what you're doing. I appreciate you. Don't leave me. <laughs> um, I think if... Because I think about this all so the time. The employees, if they're not getting paid a lot, they want... They got to first got them, know like hey you're not just being like irresponsible with the income coming in like you're doing your best as a the owner to budget yeah and set aside money for raises yeah i personally think if there's a way to put a scale in for raises through uh like production like hey can we pay you based on how much production you get done with it. Like, cause if let's say Ryer can get so much done in this time period, cause he's actually making you more money. So he should be rewarded as such. Yeah. And I, I see that, but the only problem I have with that is, is when you put, time constraints on things with the creative space you don't have to put time constraints you're just saying hey if you are able to do this then you get a bonus yeah 
Well, and I'm I'm doing that, but, but we I'm, can't. I'm saying like in terms the quality, of quality, you can't budge on. Yeah, it. the quality. Yeah. But unfortunately, like I think people respond better to like when there's dollar incentives because like I've tried the, like the gifts in. Well, see, I pay commission. Like I pay commission on if they bring in any work, and if yeah. they they get a certain percentage if they bring in work, and if they head up a project they make more money things like that yeah you know and then we do I, you know i do summer bonuses and then i'm gonna try and do yearly raises and things like that. Like i'm doing all those things but like i don't feel like i'm doing enough well if you got some stuff in place the next thing would be to just like audit yourself and see hey how can we save money for the company yeah and a lot of times like we did this in our company it was like hey are there Things that we can do, like, we just found this credit card, um, and this is, like, a special deal through the bank we have because we have a really good relationship that we're actually, we just got 3% back. Yeah. Which um, opens a lot of doors because there's a lot of stuff that, hey, you get charged 2.2%, right, if you use your card or 2%, and now it makes sense to use a card because we're getting three points back mm-hmm. so we're actually making money it's so like just by doing that we brought in like an extra thirty thousand a year mm-hmm. just doing that and then you look at your stuff is like hey what can we shave off is there programs that will save us money on flights yeah because like you already have to spend this money you're already doing all this stuff so how can you shave off Save money on what you're already doing because at the end will give yourself more money. How can you make more money with the money you're spending, like credit card, you know, bonus, the bonus money back? Um, and then on top of it, is there any possible, like, if you have sums of money, say you get, you know, and that you're able to, say, put that money in a mutual fund, and let that actually make interest for you while you pay out and then you are able to take the money as you need it and pay off. But now you still get to make money on it while it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different like little techniques that you could do to just, the idea is to save, to look at what you're doing and try to capture the most money possible. And what, how can we save money? You know, how can we, sh- you know, cut the fat off? And how can we make money on stuff we're already doing? You know, without bringing in more work. Yeah, well, that's where I'm at. I, we can't bring in any more work. Yeah. I've got I've to gotta go up on prices or start learning how to tell people no. Well, and then are there upgrades you can offer to your customers? Like, hey, we can do this for this price, but if you do this... It costs this much more, right? And that's a way. What and what things could you offer your customers? You know, not to screw them, but to like make more money. The something that would add value to them. Yeah. But you only can do so many transactions in a year, right? You only have so many man hours. Mm, yeah. In like you said, you're already it, booked yeah. out. So oh, like, yeah. how can you maybe do something above and be, like? I, for example, we have a trailer. We pull it in a bay. And what I want to do is, like, hey, that trailer's in the bay. If The most work we can do that trailer 
and do stuff for the customer that needs to be done, the more money we'll make, right? Because mm-hmm. that's time, like, we, that, that means we don't have to bring the trailer back into the bay and shuffle around because now we're losing man hours, right? So we want to just capture everything we can with that trailer in the bay. And that means offering other goods to the customer, like, hey, your tires are low. And the idea is like, hey, these are all things that need to be repaired. What would you like to repair? Mm-hmm. And it might be nothing. But if you don't ask, you'll never receive. Yeah. Hey, if two things stick, that's two more items that we can repair that we didn't yeah. before. And sometimes you'll get all five because the customer's like, oh, man, we definitely want to do all the maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and that's just being honest, good things that the trailer honestly needs. And so, like, you can look at yourself as like, hey, we have all this editing. This is what we're doing. What items could we add to this that won't cause a ton of more work, but we could add a value to the customer? Yeah. It's what we're struggling with now is, is we work in a we work in a creative space that's so subjective. Yeah. And because our vision and the client's vision sometimes aren't the same and we're trying to work within a vision that we might not fully understand and it yeah. it's it creates more work because it's so subjective. It's not like there's not a black and white version of anything that we do because it's all creative it's all you know we have to think you know essentially we have to create something not out of thin air but we have to take and create video or images and put them together and tell a story and the story that we try and tell might not be what the client wanted and if it's not what the client wanted there's no way to know that until the work's done and now we've got to go back and do it again and again and again and again and it's that's it's really hard to make money when you don't nail it on the first try, and well, it's that very, should and be it's your very, goal. Well, it's very rare that it happens on the first try because yeah. it's just it's it's like I said, it's you're essentially trying to read somebody's mind. Well, I w- I would say this like um, when you ch- when you have a client, like for example, I have a cust- like a custom car, right, and they're, we're building it. They give me. Okay, we're we're quoting. I got quoted for five hundred man hours, right? And if we go over that, I got to pay for it. So, but like, if I go over, it's because I added stuff or made the them reduce stuff, right? So, and that happens because like we get to a point, you're like, well, I want to shave this off, and pretty much like, and I would do the same to your clients is like, hey, we're gonna this quote gives you so many hours of editing, right? And if we bring it to you and you want to change everything, then that might cost more money. Man, I wish I could have set that precedent, but I, I mean, I can't at this point. Well, just in the future contracts you do write up. Yeah. Because, like... Cause we don't keep up with hours. It's all based on days. I would... Know? Yeah, I know you have the field days, and that's yeah. fine. But well, in the editing days, I base it off of days, too. Yeah, you got to do hourly. That way, like, Ryer can stop mid. He's put three hours in this. I'm going to stop. I'm going to go into this. Yeah. Or, oh, I got to jump over here and finish this up real quick. And then you just base it off hours on everything, you know. And Or if somebody's in charge of one project, you know, 
hey, we're going to try to get it done in this many hours. If we go over that, you know? Yeah. Because, like, to do an episode, hey, we're going to give you 100 hours of it, whatever it is for one episode. If we go over that, it's going to cost more money. Because, yeah. hey, if the customer keeps ch- having you change it, like, who should pay for that? Why yeah. should you pay for that? Well, but then it goes back to it's subjective. I get you know, it. We, you, even when we that's talk. That's why it's, if you if you put a dollar amount, that's going to change the client's mind too. Because <laughs> yeah. if like they have to pay for it, yeah, they're going to like think twice about it. Like maybe that does look pretty good. <laughs> you know what we like. Yeah, that. but at the same time, I want them to be happy. You know, well, I want them you'll to give have them a discounted want. rate. Yeah. Because they already bought a hundred hours, right? Yeah. So you give them a discounted rate for the next block, whatever that is. I don't want to keep up with the hours. That's, God dang! It would be more easy. It would be simpler than you think it is. Yeah, maybe so. Like it, it is because like you got sh- everything is based on hours. You talk about fab shop. You talk about you know auto industry. You talk about heck, man. Like I go have someone do a logo for me. It's based on how many hours I make that guy work. Yeah. You know, like um, everything. I mean, heck. Cody's doing training sessions. It's so much per hour, right? Yeah. So everything's based on hours. And the day thing is tough because, like, what's that, eight hours? No, it's never eight hours. It's so, always more than that. So, like, but see, that's ba- to me, when you say a day, that's eight hours. Yeah. I wish and if it, it goes, eight hours. if it goes to 12, that's a day and a half. I wish. But that's what it's it should daylight be. till dark is what it is. Well, that you got to set the precedent and it will be easier than you think it is to just tell the customer that, you know, like, yeah, hey. I've, I've had somebody else tell me I need to go to hours and I don't makes my head spin thinking about it. Well, it'll make you more money, make your guys more money. And then if you go to hours, you can pay your guys more. Yeah. That way, because now, Hey, you notice, this guy's giving me so many hours. Mm-hmm. This guy's giving me so many hours. Who Now you can see who's making you the most money. Yeah. And that's the most important yeah. right there. Who's making you the most money? Yeah. We do that every month. I know what salesman makes me the most money. I know what technician makes the most money. And now I can base raises based on that. Yeah. Now you're giving raises based on evidence you have. And sometimes it shocks you. You're like, whoa, that guy's doing really well. Yeah. I don't want to lose him, and he's making me a lot of money. I better give him a raise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, that's something I got to think about. So. You get in trouble when you're making yourself the most money. Yes. That's important. <laughs> it, it's it's a, when you get in trouble. Yeah. Because that, that goes back to, like, when I say, like, hey, the Guys want to know, like, the money's being managed properly because, like, if there's this huge, like, if you're making, like, ten times what they're making, you're going to have, like, a mutiny. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I meant when he's actually doing the work that's more efficient. That's, yes. That's when, and that's usually how it's going to work. Yeah. Yes. When you, the, and, you well, know, so like, when I go work on stuff, like, people work at different speeds, right? Right. Like, you work at a different speed than so-and-so. Well, like, I mean, as a business owner, I always have to do the stuff that you don't get paid to do. Oh, yeah. The invoicing, the receipts, the 
proposals, the phone calls, the emails. Like, I know. you're not getting paid for that crap. I do the stuff that you know? no one wants to do. Yeah, exactly. I, I get to deliver trailers and yeah. pick up parts. I'm the, a really high, highly paid delivery boy. <laughs> <laughs> really qualified trailer puller. Yeah. So, I get it, man. Yeah. And heck, dude, you you were a highly paid bus driver the other day. Yeah, a few days a week. Yeah. Van yeah. driver. I but would, I wouldn't go with highly paid over there. But <laughs> that's the opposite. I, I don't want to talk about hourly rates over there. Because <laughs> you want to uh, go to hourly rate. I would love to go to hourly, hourly rate. Right? Love it. Yeah. Like rolling in high cotton. I I believe in my heart that commission based pay should be like how you pay everybody. Now I get like some jobs can't do that, but like because I believe if you're willing to bet on yourself, then yeah. you're worth hiring. Yeah, I agree with that. I you like know? that a lot. And so like well, I look at commission and I get excited because I'm like. Perfect. Yeah. Like, because now I'm getting pay, pay based on what my capabilities are, and yeah. I know what I can do. Yeah. You know, and everybody says, like, I do all this for the company, right? Mm-hmm. Well, commission, it's like, okay, show me. Yeah. Do you or do you not? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's what I've talked to. I've talked to a couple of marketing people in the outdoor space that have done influencer programs and 99 times out of 100, an influencer comes in and they talk about what they want to get paid and they want to get paid just a flat, you know, monthly thing. And then they kick that out to them. It's like, hey, we'll, we'll pay you this much on commission. They're like, I don't want to pay commission. They don't want to be, they don't want to be beholding to having to meet marks and to essentially make money on their own merits. They just want to know how much money is coming in. Like, but like, like Andy at Diamondback Truck Bed Covers, for yeah. instance, he's got one account who he offered that to. And he's like, I want commission. Yeah. He's like, guess who makes the most money? Guy on commission. Guy on commission. He said he crushes it. Well, like Dudley, like he, I know, like all of his Instagram, like he has to make marks, Mm -hmm. like has to have so many posts and so many this. And he has no problem with it because he crushes it. Mm-hmm. He's always way over mm-hmm. than what he's supposed to do. Yeah. It's not even a, you know, he's excited to show the numbers to the client because yeah. he knows he's crushed it. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Like, you know, I'm like, heck, man. Like, I know that too bad you don't get paid commission on the baseball side for all you do. Well, that other that other job, the other uh, business, right? That yeah. I got into was. Well, that's a messed up deal. Yeah. So they're they're offering commission only now instead of salary plus commission. But then, like after you gave them after all your I clients. gave them fifteen thousand kids, all of a sudden now they're like, uh, yeah, we're. But they already took the commission mm. away on those kids. Nice. So it's like, yeah, well, you gave them the fifteen thousand kids, like kind of chicken shit. You can't. Yeah. You can't say, hey. We just we'll do that give after. Us, yeah. Give me all your clientele. Okay, now we'll do commission. Yeah, hey, that doesn't f- work like that. Go find me fifteen thousand more kids. Right. <laughs> um, exactly. That's 
But that's, it, it, that one's jacked up. That's that's a messed up deal. That is how one hundred and one on how not to run a business. Yeah, there's yeah. some really unhappy folks. Hey, but Caleb, hey, you, you see that uh, crossbow up there? Yeah, that thing is a death machine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got to take that back down to Pete and see if I can fix it. <laughs> Dude, we a widow maker up there. How did we get that? We loaded it and then it wouldn't shoot. We loaded it and it would not shoot. So we had to like beat the thing. We had to like we took a hammer and hit the trigger and it finally went off. I don't know, like the uh, there's a pin or the, something. The right? latch isn't like going all the way down. It's kind of stuck up. You squeeze the trigger, it won't. So that's not one you want to stick your finger in. No, no, no. Come up with a nub. Had yeah, a, had a bolt in it and everything. It's like, like the like largest crossbow ever. ever. Yeah, it, it looks like a widowmaker for sure. It looks cool sitting up there, I guess. <laughs> it does look pretty cool right there. It's kind of gangster. <laughs> well, Caleb, thanks for coming on, dude. Heck yeah. Sorry it's we got a lot less baseball this oh, time. Oh, nah, well. Hey, we kind of got it all in. A little bit, yeah. I'm cool with that. You headed up to Salt Lake? He's going I'm up I'm headed up to Salt Lake, yeah. You, co- you coming with? I'm going to try and fly up there. All right, good. I'm going to try and make it happen. Yeah. I'm going to probably get in a little bit of trouble, but I'm going to do it anyway. He's hey, going to do a video. For forgiveness over permission, my man. Forgiveness doing, over permission. I'm good at that. Good. Yeah. I was about well, to say, you've been doing this a little longer me, a little longer. I, I me. just mean in general. Pretty good in life. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. I screwed up again. I know. I know. I suck, I suck again. Yeah. I'll I screwed jump. up again. Got I'll a little busy. But, yeah, I, I think I think, uh, I think we're going to try and run up there and. It's a cool place. Have you ever been up there? Bring yeah, skied there. Tell oh, Johnny yeah. to come up. No, don't tell Johnny. I don't come know. Up. I mean, Johnny might come up. I don't know. Johnny, come up. Well, you probably won't listen to this till we'll see. After it probably won't be posted before. That's why I said I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. going. <laughs> <laughs> we, we make sure this post, post on this till Friday next week. Next week we'll <laughs> yeah. post it. Post it next week. <laughs> Perfect. Even better. So, so like appreciate it, fellas. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for coming out, man. Good to see you again. All right. See ya. Bye, guys. Later.